Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Isaiah, the 51st chapter. And notice what it says here in verse 20, 22. Thus says the Lord, the Lord your God, who pleads the cause for his people. Man, God's pleading our case. He's our God. He wants to see us succeed. He's, he's pulling for us. He's fighting for us. That's what he's saying here. Notice what he says. He says, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it, but I will put it into the hand of those who afflict you, who have said to you, lie down that we may walk over you. And you have laid your body like the ground and as the street for those who walk over you. Notice he's talking about being afflicted, being afflicted. And again, the Bible tells us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our battle are with wicked spirits, demon spirits. They're the ones influencing people to do evil things in the world. So they're the ones behind the inspiration to afflict you. And so he says, the Lord says, I have taken out of your hand this cup of my fury or this cup of judgment. You no longer shall drink it. And he did take it out of our hand. He took our judgments for us when he went to the cross. You remember Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before going to the cross, he said, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He prayed that prayer three times. It wasn't his will to have to, to drink that cup. What cup? The cup of God's fury. The cup of God's judgment for sin. But we know Jesus ended up drinking it. By doing so, he took it out of our hands. He took our judgment for us so that now we've been justified and declared righteous in the sight of God. All our sins, all our crimes against God have been paid for through Jesus. Well, in Jesus doing that, Jesus also took all the consequences of sin, everything that is a curse Jesus took upon himself. Remember, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For his written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So he took our judgment, he took our sin, he took our curse. Anything that's a curse, he took. Anything that would afflict you, oppress, oppress you, 
kill you prematurely. It's all a part of the curse of the law that is over in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy 28 tells you all about these curses, all about these terrible things that come upon the disobedient. Thank God Jesus took it for us. So he's taken this cup of fury out of our hands. He said, you shall no longer drink it. You're no longer going to be afflicted. You're no longer going to be oppressed in life. No, no, I've called you to be blessed, not oppressed. And so he says, but I'll put it in the hand of those who afflict you. Who have said to you, lie down that we may walk over you. See, a lot of times that's what the enemy will put in people's heads. He'll give them these thoughts that there's nothing they can do about this. They need to just give in to the temptation. They need to just give in to the symptoms. They need to just give in to their circumstances. I mean, after all, you know, if it wasn't God's will, it wouldn't be happening. And so people believe these lies that somehow God willed it. When he didn't will it, it's not his will for you to be afflicted. He said, you shall no longer be afflicted. No longer shall you drink of these curses and of God's judgment. Jesus came and set us free from all these things. We're not to be afflicted. But he'll come and he'll tell us, lie down. Lie down that we may walk over you. And the enemy is still walking over people, oppressing people, afflicting people. And they don't know, a lot of people don't know they could do anything about it. But that's why we get in the word and we learn. So that our adversaries, our enemies, according to the spirit, can't rule over us. They cannot dominate us. They cannot walk all over us. We've got to learn to stand up against these things. Stand up against anything that is a curse. Stand up against sickness. Stand up against disease. Stand up against viruses. See, we're not just, we're not just victims. We're not just you know, running and hiding from these things. No, as Christians, we can stand against it. We can resist it. We can use our faith to be able to quench it and overcome it. God's given us faith so that we can overcome these things. Not just lie down. Notice that language there. Lie down that we may walk over you. And then it goes on and sadly says, and you have laid your body like the ground. Man, you have just laid yourself down like the ground and as the street for those who walk over you. Just allow the enemy to just walk right on over you. But I like what it says over in Luke's gospel, chapter 10. Jesus said that he gives us power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He's given us authority. He's given us power to be able to tread upon, to walk over the enemy. The Bible says that devil is under our feet. If we're a part of the body of Christ... Jesus has defeated the devil. He's disarmed him. He's placed him under his feet. If he's under Jesus' feet, he's under our feet because we're a part of that body of Christ. So we're not the ones to be lying down. We need to be telling the devil, uh, devil, you just go ahead and lie down. 
as I tread upon you, as I walk over you, as I just tread upon these circumstances, as I tread upon these curses. These things aren't going to tread on me. They're not going to walk all over me. I'm going to walk on it. You know, you go over to John's gospel, chapter 10. Jesus, as he walked the earth, no evil was able to befall him. The enemy was not able to oppress him until he laid his life down. Again, laid it down. It, the enemy couldn't just come and tread upon him. No, we see him all through his earthly ministry. Jesus casting out devils, taking authority over the devil, healing the sick. And these are all things that now we can do in his name. He's given us his name to be able to do these exact same things. There's power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. And notice this in John chapter 10, verse 17. It says, therefore, Jesus talking, he says, therefore my father loves me because I lay my life down that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Remember, we just read over in Isaiah 51 about people lying down and allowing the enemy to afflict them and just walk all over them. Well, notice Jesus talks about laying down his life. He says, no one takes it from me. Nobody just comes along and takes my life from me. But I lay it down. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command have I received from my father. So Jesus had this power. That word power there can also be translated authority. He had authority over evil spirits. He had authority over his own life. And so he had the power to be able to either lay it down or to keep it, to protect it. You and I have the same authority in his name. In the name of Jesus, we have the same authority over the enemy. He cannot just come in and afflict us if we don't lie down, if we don't give in, if we resist him. He can't just come in and do whatever he wants to do because, again, we have that authority, the authority of the name of Jesus. Now, Jesus, when it came time for him to go to the cross, when he was up in the Garden of Gethsemane, the, uh, that uh, whole mob of people came with clubs and torches to come and take him. They were being led by Judas who had betrayed him. And they came in there to take him. And when that happened... Peter panicked, grabbed a sword, he swung it, and ended up cutting off the uh, servant of the high priest's ear. But notice what Jesus said here in Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, and in 51, Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Jesus was in complete control when they came to take him. He was not a victim, just like I talked about uh, this past Sunday on Resurrection Sunday. Jesus was not a victim. Jesus laid his life down. But notice these words here. He says, permit. 
even this. He permitted himself to be afflicted. He permitted himself to be taken by this mob, to be beaten, to be tortured, and eventually killed. It couldn't have happened unless Jesus permitted it. And what you need to understand today, that the same is true for you. We have a lot more control over our lives than we realize. But we need to realize, we need to get a hold of it. We need to realize we have control over our destiny. You know, a lot of times people say things like, well, you know, God is in control. But you know, the Bible talks more more about self-control than God control. God works through us as we exercise self-control. Or we could say, control over our life. Or we could say, God works through those who take authority over their life. We have authority. We have authority to lay our life down. We have authority to protect our life, to take our life. And that authority is in the name of Jesus. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew the 16th chapter. And in verse... 19, and I, Jesus speaking, he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, talking to you and I. He says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. In other words, keys represent authority. I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you authority. When he rose from the dead, he ended up giving those keys to us. The keys over death, hell, and the grave. He has the keys. He says that over in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. He has the keys. He has the authority now over these things. And he gives it to us and expects us To use our authority to be able to resist the enemy and to live the life that God has for us to live. And to not be pushed around and be victims in life where the enemy's just walking over us. I mean, when we pray, it's like a war room. We go in there, we have authority to change things. We have authority. We are not just hoping and wishing, oh God, I hope God you do something here. That's not how we pray. That's not how God expects us to pray. Hoping and wishing. God expects us to pray expecting to receive the things that we ask of him. He expects us to believe that we have what we say. According to what he said over in Mark eleven twenty four, you'll have whatever you say. He wants us to know that. He wants us to take charge of our life, of our circumstances, and of the world around us. And we can because we have the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit backing up our every word, our every move when we speak and move in the name of of Jesus. When we do what we do in the authority of Jesus' name. 
powerful. So he tells us that I, I give you that authority. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let me read this to you from the complete Jewish Bible. A little different translation here. Watch this. Whatever you prohibit on earth, after he talks about it, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom, he says, whatever you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. There's that word permitted. Remember, Jesus said, permit even this. Let them come, let them take me, let them afflict me, let them torture me. For this purpose have I come, to be a sacrifice for mankind. Permit even this. If he didn't permit it, heaven wouldn't have permitted it. Remember, Jesus said in another place, he said, Do you not know that I can right now call upon my Father and he would give me a legion of angels? To deliver me? Jesus understood. If he didn't permit this, heaven wouldn't have permitted it. And angels would have come. And they would have rescued Jesus out of that situation where he never would have gone to the cross. But that's what he came for. And so he permitted it. Now he tells us, I give you my name. I give you my authority. I give you the keys to the kingdom, to the kingdom of God. And whatever you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Notice, whatever you permit. Whatever you permit. A lot of times people say, well, you know, I know God didn't do that evil thing, but he allowed it. God God allowed all these bad things to happen. God allowed it. When in the reality of it is, we've allowed it. We, his people, we have allowed it. Many times people have allowed it because of ignorance. Other people that know the things I'm talking about, if they've allowed it, then they were just being spiritually lazy. They didn't exercise their authority. They didn't get themselves in prayer. And then they didn't take serious the things that are going on around them. You and I can change things. You and I have authority. Now, we don't have authority over other people to dominate them because everybody has a free will. But we do have authority to keep ourselves protected and guarded from people that would try to harm us. Just like with Jesus. They couldn't take him and harm him until he, what, permitted it. If he didn't permit it, heaven wouldn't have permitted it. It's the same thing with you and I. And he tells us here, right here, in the word of God. Over in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, isn't it exciting to know that we're not victims in this world? We're not just, well, whatever happens, happens. If you have that bumper sticker on your car, get it off and and replace it. And put whatever I let happen, happens. Say it that way. Don't say whatever happens, happens. Like, you know, it's just all luck. It's not luck. It's you. Whatever you allow to happen, happens. You and I got to stand up and say, you know, I'm not allowing that. Well, I got this symptom in my body. I'm not allowing that. Well, you know, uh, you know, this virus is going around. You know, it might come into your house. I'm not allowing that. I'm not allowing that. Now, we do things in the natural as well as in the spirit or in faith. 
you know, I mean, like I always say, you know, it's good to sanitize your hands. But even more so, we need to live a sanctified life. Sanctified and sanitized. We need to have, need to have them both. You know, we need to eat good. We need to eat the right things. But I don't trust in my diet to keep me alive. However, I don't just eat whatever and, uh, you know, expect my faith to be able to overcome. Because whatever could be me sinning against my own body. So, you know, it's got to be food that I could actually thank God for. You know, if you have a problem thinking of you, if you look at that big creamy crisp donut and you have a tough time, oh, Lord, I just give you so much thanks for this donut. If you have a tough time giving thanks for it, you know, maybe you should think twice about eating it. Just, just a thought, you know, just, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what you're doing right now. You shouldn't be eating donuts anyway right now. You should be focused on the word, all right? But anyway, you know, we do have to, we have to watch what we do. We're responsible for our actions. But that's all connected to our faith as well. But we have faith, or we should have a faith in the Word of God concerning our authority in Christ Jesus so that not just whatever happens, happens. We permit things or we do not permit things. There's things that we don't allow and there's things that we allow. So we need to be on the watch. We need to take responsibility for our life. You know, it's nice to be able to just say, oh, whatever God wants, whatever he wants to do, God's going to do it. And it's like, you know, people like saying that because it takes all the responsibility off of them. But it's not accurate. It's a good way of opening the door for the devil to come in and just run roughshod over your life. You can't, you, you don't want to just open the door and go, hey, whatever happens, happens, I just believe it's God. Well, there's a lot of things that are not God. And you need to know that. You need to recognize what's of God, what's not, what's a curse, what's a blessing. And then you need to be able to either permit it or resist it. Do not permit it. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the first few verses Talk about all these great people of faith, the great exploits that they carried out, the great deliverances that they experienced through their faith, overcame so many different obstacles, overcame death. And uh, after going through verse after verse of all the great things they've done, it comes over to verse 35. It says, women received Women received their dead raised to life again. I mean, people died and they were resurrected. We see that in the Old Testament. How did that happen? Through their faith. Through their faith. Well, it was the sovereignty of God. Listen, God in his sovereignty has given you authority to be able to change things. And so through faith, and again, faith is a partnership with God. It's not like we just run around, we have this thing called faith, And we just do whatever we want to do. Faith walks with God. Faith does what it does in partnership with the Holy Spirit, who is known as the Spirit of faith in Hebrews 4.13. He's the Spirit of faith. So faith flows, it connects with the Spirit of faith in what it does. Not just out doing whatever it, it wants to do. But here it says, women receive their dead raised to life. Again, others were tortured. They were tortured. Not accepting deliverance 
that they might obtain a better resurrection. Notice that. They were tortured. You think about people that have been tortured. People that have, that have, have had terrible things happen to them. Well, here it's naming, it's listing people, it's talking about people that were tortured by faith. In other words, they did not want to be delivered. They wanted to die glorifying God as a martyr. They were done. They had finished what they believed God called them to do. And, uh, and they believed it was right and good for them to be able to go to heaven. And so they just went ahead and laid their lives down. They didn't accept the deliverance. What happens if they accepted the deliverance? What happens if they believed God for deliverance? Well, their faith, working with God, would have delivered them. That's exactly what would have happened. They would have experienced deliverance, but they chose differently. It, wasn't, it didn't say God chose. It says they chose. They chose it. They didn't accept it. It didn't say God wouldn't deliver them. God didn't want to deliver. It wasn't God's will to deliver them. They chose. They permitted themselves to be tortured. They permitted themselves to be executed like that. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. See, their eyes were on something better. About glorifying God and entering into heaven. Grand entry into heaven. But notice that not accepting deliverance. That word accepting, I looked it up in the original language. And here's, here's what it means. It means to accept a thing offered. In other words, deliverance is offered. It was offered to them, but they didn't accept it. They didn't accept it. It also means to receive. They didn't receive it. They didn't receive deliverance. Take. They didn't take that deliverance. To receive to oneself. To give access to oneself. Allow to expect, to expect as in the fulfillment of promises. So they, they have these promises of deliverance. You and I have great and precious promises of deliverance, of healing, of all kinds of wonderful things. But many people are not accepting it. Many people, in other words, are not receiving it. Many people are not taking it. Now here in Hebrews 11, they deliberately did not take it because they wanted a better resurrection. But there's a lot of folks that would like the deliverance. They would like to live longer. But they're not accepting what Jesus did for them. There's people that would not accept the things I'm preaching to you tonight. Even though it's the Bible, it's full of scripture. There's people that wouldn't accept it. They just don't accept that. I just don't accept that. I just believe God does whatever he wants to do, whatever he wants to do it. And I just, okay, great. So, in other words, you're not accepting your responsibility to use the authority that he has given you In his sovereignty. In his sovereignty, he gave you authority, but you're not going to take the responsibility and utilize that. You're just going to say, you know, everything's on God. Whatever God wants to do, whatever God wants to do. And God's saying, no, whatsoever things you desire. Whatsoever things you desire. What do you desire? What do you want? Ask that you might receive. He wants you to receive it. He wants you to know that if you ask for it, he'll give it to you. You'll have it. 
But a lot of folks, they're not accepting his deliverance. They're not accepting his help. They're not accepting it. Most cases, it's not by faith. It's because of ignorance. They don't know any better. They're, or their faith is weak. And they just don't, they just don't have the strength to believe that, that they can overcome their circumstances. In other words, their circumstances, their condition is bigger to them than God. The sickness is bigger to them than God. The virus is bigger to them than God. The financial crisis is bigger to them than God. But you see, faith sees God as bigger than all these things. And a faith person sees themselves seated right there with God. Looking down upon these things. Ruling over these things. Not being dominated by these things. And being walked all over by whatever happens in life. No more do we say whatever happens, happens. No, we take charge of what happens in our life. And there's things we're not going to permit. There's certain things we're not going to allow. There's certain things we're not going to accept. Again, the word accept means to take, to receive to oneself. Allow. To allow these things. We're not, there's things we're not going to allow and there's things we're going to allow. We're going to allow God to deliver us. We're going to allow God to move on our behalf. We're going to allow God to heal us. We're going to take hold of that. We're going to expect that. And we are going to walk in that. You know, you go over to Acts chapter 7. And you see a man by the name of Stephen. Who was martyred. Stephen, you know, here in chapter 7. He is preaching the gospel. And then it comes to verse 51. I mean, he really lays into these folks. That he's preaching to, you know, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Hmm, isn't that interesting? You resist who? The Holy Spirit. Huh. Well, the Bible tells us over here in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 9, it says, resist him. Well, let's go back to verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant or watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he can't just devour anybody and everybody. He can't just do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. He's looking for who he can devour. He's looking for who he can devour. Verse 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The persecution. The temptations. You and I can resist. We can resist the enemy. We do not have to give in to him. There is a suffering involved in resisting sin. The Bible says uh, he who suffers in the flesh has ceased from sin. So... You know, you, there's things that you, you do to exercise self-control. Self-control. A lot of people don't exercise self-control because it's not easy. There's suffering involved in it. But be a good cheer. Rise up and resist. Resist temptation. Resist the devil. Don't give in to him. And what's going to happen? The Bible tells us that he will flee. Resist him and he will flee in another place. I believe it's in the book of James. It says he'll flee from you. 
So notice, we have to do something with the devil. It's not, a, it's not about, well, well, God, you do something. God's telling you to do something. He's saying, you take your authority, take the name of Jesus. Mark chapter 16, he says, those who believe, those who believe in the gospel, they'll cast out devils in my name, in the name of Jesus. We're the one that, that does something about the devil. We're not going to just sit around and wait for God. Whatever God wants to do. No, it's what are you going to do about it? I've, I've given you. God says, I've given you authority. I've given you my name, the name of Jesus. I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you permit will be permitted. Whatever you prohibit will be prohibited. See, it's in your hands. It's in our hands. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Resist the devil. We got too many people resisting the Holy Spirit. Just like here, Stephen is preaching. The people are resisting the Holy Spirit. See, the people got it all twisted. They got it all backwards. Resist. And a lot of these people that resist the Holy Spirit, they were religious people. But they resisted the Holy Spirit. We don't want to resist the Holy Spirit. We don't want to confuse the Holy Spirit with the devil. We want to resist the devil, not the Holy Spirit. So it goes on, and they begin to charge him with stones, and they begin to stone Stephen. And notice what it says in verse 59. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, deliver me? No. Receive my spirit. Notice Stephen laid down. And allowed himself to be stoned to death. He laid down. He allowed it to happen. They stoned Stephen as he was calling on God. And saying. What was he calling on God and saying? Lord receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. Lord do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this. He fell asleep. So Jesus the Bible says is standing there at the right hand of God, ready to either deliver Stephen or to welcome him into heaven. He's standing there waiting to deliver him or to welcome him into heaven. Stephen chose to go to heaven. He chose to lay down his life. You go back to the Old Testament, you see people like um, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And how the king of Babylon took them and threw them into a fiery furnace. But they told the king before he threw them in, he says, Our God who can deliver us, he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. They fully expected God to deliver them. They were not ready to die. And God delivered them. The fire had no power over them. But it was their choice. It was their choice. It's our choice. What happens with our life. God has given us the promises and it's our choice of what we want to do. Can you say amen? Praise God forever. Over in Matthew chapter 16 Jesus said and I also say to you that you are Peter. He's talking to Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. 
Well, are you a part of the church? Are you a part of the church of the living God? Are you a part of the body of Christ? Notice what he said. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. If you're a part of God's family, a part of his church, Jesus is your Lord. Hell can't prevail against you. Hell and all its works. Hell and all its cohorts. All those that would yield to Satan. All those that would yield to evil spirits. The spirits of hell. That's what the gates of hell are. People that are gateways for hell to come through and try to harass you and afflict you and and oppress you. Thank God we know from Jesus that the gates of hell will not prevail against us unless we let them. Unless we let them. I like what it says over in Psalms. It says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. You and I are God's gates of glory. And when we lift up our heads in expectation, in faith, looking to him, calling on the name of Jesus, the King of glory comes through us. And if the King of glory is coming through us, if we're God's gateway for his glory, then the gates of hell, those that would yield themselves to demons and devils, the inspiration of Satan, they don't have a chance. They don't have a chance of prevailing against you and I. Hallelujah. So we got no business letting the devil and his cohorts come in and oppress our lives. We've got to take our place. Take our God-given authority in the name of Jesus and rise up and use it. When something's trying to happen in your life that you know is contrary to the promises of God. It's contrary to the will of God. Don't wonder about it. Become convinced. This is God's will for me. To be delivered. To be healed. To overcome. To be able to prosper. This is his will for me. I think it's 2 John or 3 John. Tells us. I think it's 2 John. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Even as your soul prospers. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in health. He wants things to go well for you. If you believe that and you want that, stand up. Stand up against the things that would try to do contrary to you. Stand up against it. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't just lie down. It's a fight to fight the good fight of faith. We're not going to just lay down and let whatever happens, happens. Stuff just happens. No, no, people let it happen. And we're not going to let it happen. We're going to pray. We're going to take authority. We're praying over this country of ours right now. And there's certain things we're just not going to allow to happen. Because uh, we're here. And God wants us to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. That's what he has for you and I. So he tells us to pray for those who are in authority. That we can lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. Well, that's not a wishing and hoping praying. 
That's using your authority in the name of Jesus. That's taking authority over demons and evil spirits that would try to influence people to, to be a gateway for hell. To come in and cause there to be hell on earth. Hell on earth. Health all throughout our nation. Now we're not going to allow there to be hell on earth. Jesus said for us to pray, God, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to have days of heaven on earth. Not hell on earth. We're going to have God manifested in our land. We're not going to put up with corruption in our government. We ask God for those things to be exposed. We take authority over the demons that would try to inspire corruption in our government. We ask for uh, righteous men and women to, to rise up and to take those positions of authority. We release angels to go and assist and help to bring righteousness into our government. That righteousness would rule over our land. We're taking authority. We're not just taking a back seat and just watching to see what's going to happen next. No, we're proactive. We're on the front lines. We're deciding how things are going to go. We decide whether it's going to go God's way or it's going to go the devil's way. We decide that. Are we going to give place to the devil? Are we going to open the door for him, allow him to come in? Are we going to give place to the king of glory and allow him to come in? Speak the name of Jesus. Declare the word of God in faith and don't back down. Don't back down and don't give in to the enemy. Don't give in to evil. Don't allow it to rule over you. Don't allow it to oppress your life. Why don't you just say it right now? Say, I will not allow my life to be oppressed. I'm too blessed to be oppressed by the enemy. Amen. Notice what he says here in Ephesians chapter 4. And in verse... 26, he says, be angry and do not sin. That's a choice. Think about that. Being angry and sinning or not sinning is a choice. I just lost control. I know, you didn't use your self-control. You just didn't use it. You didn't exercise self-control. You know, and then, and then things happen, and people say, God, why did you allow that to happen? God, why did you permit that? And a lot of times, people who say that, they're not doing anything to seek God, know God. They're not looking to follow God. They're just kind of doing their own thing. And yet, when something bad happens, they're going to turn around and say, you let that happen. How did you let that happen? And you know, God's like, no, you didn't lock your door. No, you invited the enemy in. You let him come in and you let him do it. Why are you rebuking God for allowing it to happen when you're the one that allowed it to happen? You allowed it to happen perhaps by not finding out these things that I'm sharing tonight. So ignorance is not an excuse. Ignorance is not an excuse, especially when you have me right here on live stream and there's all kinds of teachings that I've done in the past, you can go to our media page and fully educate yourself. You've got a Bible. You've got church. There's no reason to be ignorant concerning God and concerning your authority and what you have power over. So ignorance is not an excuse. But it's amazing how people in their ignorance will end up blaming God for something they're responsible for. 
But it's good to learn that now, to recognize that arrogant attitude now so you can fix it and don't find out when it's too late and you're standing before him as, and he's standing there, he's sitting before you as, as your judge. That's not the f- time to find out. This is the time to get these things corrected. And thank God, God's got you watching tonight so you can get it corrected. Stop blaming him for stuff. Start taking charge. Stop finding out how he's given you keys. He's given you authority. He's given you some stuff. Find out about what he's given you. Take hold of it. Start utilizing it. Through his spirit, you've got authority. You've got control. You've got self Control. You got control over that temper. You don't have to have fits of carnality. You don't have to have rage, road rage, or any kind of rage. No rage. We got control over it. Thank God we can. So he says, he says, be angry, be angry, but don't sin. Don't just lose it. Give in to the flesh and say and do the wrong thing. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor Give place to the devil. See, don't give the devil place. Shut him out. Lock the door on him. Don't let him in. Again, he's the one that's behind the afflictions and evils that take place in this world. You don't have to let him do it to you. You don't have to let him work through people to oppress your life. He says, don't give place to the devil. Then he goes on. Notice he says, let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor working with his hands what is good. He's telling Christians, don't steal. I mean, that's, that's pretty sad. This is written to Christians. He says, don't steal. Don't be a thief. Labor with your hands. Do, do good things. Trust God. Trust God to be your provider. Stealing just gives place to the devil. You know, you think you're getting away with something, but actually, you're just opening the door for the devil to come in and devour. Devour your finances. Devour your life. That's what happens. Whatever a man sows, that's what he reaps. So if you're sitting over here being dishonest and stealing, the enemy's going to come in and say, well, I have a right to steal from you. Thank you for permitting me to steal from you. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. In other words, watch what you say. Watch what you say. Don't just, don't just say anything. Because when you speak, there's power in your words. Your words give authority to either the devil or the Holy Spirit. Let's give authority to the Holy Spirit. Let's give authority to God. Let's not give authority to the devil. Let's give no place to him. Let's watch what we say. Let's, let's speak good things. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Let's speak things that edify and build people up. Can you say amen? Come on, you're the light of the world. Darkness is not to rule over you. Any more than darkness can rule in a room where the lights are on. Darkness cannot rule in a room where the lights are on. And if you're the light of the world and you're walking in that light, then you know this, darkness can't rule here. I cast out darkness. I drive out darkness because I'm the light of the world. I have the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Praise God forever. Man, isn't this good news? This is such good news. This is liberating news right here. So liberating. And uh, yeah, there's a responsibility involved in it. But that's okay. It's great to know we have authority. 
it's great to know that uh, it isn't just whatever happens, happens. That we're just going to be bounced around in life, be victims of our circumstances. No, thank God we're taking charge. And we're going to walk out the destiny that God has promised us in his word. Walking by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's just go ahead and thank God right there where you are. Let's just magnify him. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.